Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous. It's a truly, truly special episode, you guys. Oh, God, we knew it was coming. Oh, I've been looking forward to this one since, like, episode three, I tell you what. This is season two, episode 14, also known as episode 40. It's alone again. It's about drugs. It is so about drugs. It's slightly more subtle than Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. When you guys told me there was a drug episode, I was wondering how it was going to handle this, like whether she was going to be on like generic weed heroin. No, she's just on Goofy Cartoon Pills. Yeah, she's just on drugs with a capital D. It's just Goofy Cartoon Pills that don't map to any real life drug. Let me let me just preface this whole episode with something. Look, I am the biggest square that ever squared. I've never even tried weed. It's And it's legal here. So you guys are going to have to walk me through any of this hepcat druggy lingo that all the kids are doing these days. I don't do drugs, but that's less of a personal moral choice and more to do with the fact that there are less expensive ways to feel sleepy all the time. I tried a drug cookie once, like an edible weed cookie. And, I, and by once, I mean it was like two weeks ago. And only they'd purchased chocolate chip cookies, so I just held my nose the whole time and felt disgusted that it was chocolate chip. You don't like chocolate chip cookies. I hate chocolate chip cookies. She's a weirdo. I'd ask you if you were on drugs, but well. So it was just an all-around unpleasant experience? Nothing happened. I stuffed down that cookie and then I didn't feel anything. Yeah, when it comes to when it comes to sort of the low-key stuff like pot, I, I don't think any of us are here to judge. In fact, as I was watching this episode, my brother was sitting not 10 feet away from me grinding weed, so... That must have been a great experience. Here's the thing, you guys. This episode is about as subtle as Reefer Madness. And that is also about as well as it understands drugs. Let's just get right into it. This is by Sandy Fries. Sandy Fries wrote this. Maybe it's Sandy Freeze. I don't know. She wrote just one other episode of Gem. She wrote Old Meets New. Kit's favorite episode. <sighs> and, and we talk more about her writing credits there. So, uh, so check that out if you want to hear a bit more about Sandy Fries. Freeze. Faramir. Anyway, let's head over to Starlight Mansion, where the first line in this episode is, no, please, please don't make me stay there. Please don't make me stay in this enormous mansion with these world-famous glam rockers. Look, with the kind of shenanigans Jem gets up to, I feel like that's a reasonable thing to say. And let's be honest, Laura Holloway probably doesn't like Jim. She probably likes, you know, uh, the misfits. Did Death Cab for Cutie exist yet? Oh, Death Cab for Cutie, that's a good one. She strikes me as more of a Crosby, Stills, and Nash person. So the holograms are getting ready to rehearse, and Jem's like, All right, ladies, let's rock and roll. And immediately, rock and roll indeed! You call that electronic noise music? That's right, the social worker doesn't like glam rock, that's how you know she's a bad person. You'd think she'd be, like, the antagonist in this episode, since she's a social worker and she'd be checking in on Laura, but no. We never see her again. The bad guy is drugs. She introduced Laura. This is Laura Holloway. Her parents died in a car accident last month, which is a nice way to introduce it next to the girl whose parents died last month. And we never touch upon that for the rest of the episode. And Laura Holloway is the shyest, most self-deprecating human being on the face of this godforsaken earth. Jem also introduces herself to the social worker by pretty much blowing her secret identity right out of the water. Hi, we talked already. I mean, you talked to Jerrica and she briefed me on what you said. Okay, sure. 
Right. That's not suspicious. Why isn't Jerrica here? Why did she even schedule rehearsal when she knew a social worker would be coming by today with a new foster girl? It's not like a Comcast delivery window. So Jem is like, oh, you have a guitar. Maybe you can jam with Jem and the holograms. Guess, you know, this child is five. She's not. She's 14. She also doesn't want to casually play with the most famous rock band in the entire world. Oh, I'm not very good. Okay, do you want to go meet the Starlight Girls? Yeah, after five minutes, Laura decides she definitely doesn't fit in at Starlight House. She just looks at this room full of all these girls goofing off, playing ping pong, whatever. She's like, I don't belong here. Oh my god. Ashley's like, hey, Laura, do you want to play ping pong with us? Laura says no, and Ashley's like, well, we tried. That's such an Ashley response. Laura's parents died probably about 10 to 30 days ago. Maybe try a little harder. And here's the thing, none of Laura's issues in this episode seems to stem from the fact that both of her parents died in a car accident not that long ago. It's just that she doesn't believe in herself. You think that would be a thing, right? That maybe she is grieving and in order to try and find some kind of solace, she goes to the numbness of the drugs. But no. She just needs to believe in herself a little more. And then Laura actually sequesters herself in her room with her guitar and says, nobody understands me. And okay, this is a ridiculous person. She's a teenager. Nobody understands me is the rallying cry of all teens everywhere. I am alone in my feelings. Jerrica finally moseys in to introduce herself to Laura. She's like, hey, hey, how's it going? Do you do you want to do you want to play on our computer we have in the background? It's like a freaking Apple II. It's got a five and a fourth inch floppy drive. You can play Odell Lake. You want to play Oregon Trail, Laura? And Laura says, no, everybody is so pretty and talented. I just don't measure up. She says measure. I love it. Laura flies over to a shelf with some toys. They're scary as heck. She picks up a panda bear and it's like, I've never been good at anything. Except drama. Ooh. Nice. Laura runs into the recording studio, I guess that's what it is, and has a song. This is this is like a Starlight Girl song, I guess, is how we can categorize this. Like when Ashley and Chrissy and Bonnie had songs. This is a Laura song called Alone Again. Which sounds like the Eagles. This sounds like it was written by the Eagles. It's just got an acoustic guitar in it, which is kind of nice because it's supposed to be mostly diegetic except for the visuals. And also, holy jeez, budget increase for this music video. Individually rendered strands of Laura's hair. Look, there's a lot you can say about this episode, but there's one thing we can all agree on, and it's that Laura's hair is animated very pretty. At least for the music videos. And then after she's done singing her sad song about nobody understanding her, the holograms march in and they're like, Laura, that was incredible. And she's like, no. Like on the one hand, Laura's relentless self-deprecation and insistence that she's garbage is kind of annoying. On the other hand, the holograms bull rushing her to performing with them on stage is also a dick move. Oh my god, yeah, Jem invites Laura to play a song with them at the big concert coming up. Laura's like, no, that seems like that would be a terrible thing for my insecurities and self-loathing. And then Kimber double dog dares her to do it. Because Kimber is actually a comparable age with Laura. Like, holy jeez, Jem, maybe start a little smaller. Like, a talent show for the house, maybe? No, no, concert on stage with a world-famous glam rock band. Right away. How are you in charge of all these teen girls? Speaking of teen girls, let's go to South High School. How many high schools have playgrounds? 
Uh, not many that I'm aware of. I do know the first elementary school that I went to was literally right across from the high school. So there was technically a playground right in front of it. Yeah, well, this definitely has its own attached playground that has adult-sized teeter-totters. Also, South High School has an election Friday, according to the sign outside. Just put that in your pocket. So back to Laura. And Laura is goofing around on the teeter-totter, and then who sits down on the other side of the teeter-totter but a cute boy? But a 40-year-old man. Who looks a little like if someone from the 80s tried to design Archie. No, his name is actually Bobby Braddock, and I listened to a lot of Jay and Miles explain the X-Men, and they've been talking about Excalibur lately. So Bobby Braddock is only a couple of letters away from being Brian Braddock, aka Captain Britain, aka there's one in every universe. So I choose to believe that this is Captain Britain, this is just a really disappointing one. Seriously though, does Bobby Braddock go here? We have no idea. And Bobby Braddock starts flirting with Laura. He looked up her name in the registration of new kids in the office, and he also knows her full name and where she lives and how old she is. Bobby Braddock is a really committed drug pusher. This is starting to get straight up Twilight with how much he apparently cares that there's a new girl at school. He also says that she's cute, and Laura buys this hook, line, and sinker. People have been complimenting her for the last ten minutes of showtime, and this is the first time she believes it? Well, yeah, but right now she's attracted to boys. And a boy said it. Oh, of course. He might be a senior citizen. So he's like, I want to help you, because I care about you. Have a baggie full of Tylenol. He gives her, like, these cartoon pills. They look like Tylenol pills. They've got the red and the white plastic caps. He says, they'll make you feel great. They'll make you play music like a pro. And then we zoom in on the baggie of Tylenol while this tension sting plays in the background. Are these drugs? Oh no! So what is this supposed- At first I thought this was supposed to be like Adderall. And then Laura takes the drugs and they're definitely not Adderall. Yeah, Laura takes them, she says it seems legit, and then she goes home and opens her little lunchbox. It's like a Lisa Frank rainbow lunchbox with a matching thermos, which is definitely something a teenager carries around unironically. Alright, I timed this. She swallows one Tylenol. At six seconds, I feel a little lighter, a little faster. Twelve seconds, starting to feel weird. Twenty-one seconds, the guitar turns into a monster. Twenty-eight seconds, I'm a bird, I can fly! Not even thirty seconds in. Thirty seconds in and Laura is tripping balls. The guitar, notably, when it turns into a monster, is basically the same kind of monster Synergy turns things into whenever she's set free. Oh, it's a very Synergy monster. So Laura trips out, decides she's a bird and she can fly, and climbs out onto the roof. So, quick aside here, from what I have heard from some of John's friends that, that have tried peyote a couple of times, is that most serious hallucinogens will mostly just zonk you out. Like, one of John's friends has told me a story where he once took some peyote and then basically couldn't move for the entirety of the time it was in effect, but he kept, like, hallucinating about a cactus and a gray balloon that he was afraid of. It just makes you sit there. But not Laura, who's on the roof. Jerrica looks up from the garden and assumes that Laura's trying to commit suicide. <laughs> Laura, don't do it! Get back inside! Laura gives her a 10-second countdown, and Jerrica makes it all the way to the third floor of the house, breaks down Laura's door 
before she gets to three. Jerrica used to be a Girl Scout. She manages to get out to the roof, but Laura's foot breaks off some of the landing and she trips and falls. This is what happens when you take Tylenol recreationally, kids. Memento Mori, you might die of drugs. Jerrica reveals she has not missed arm day as while balancing on a ledge, she grabs a full-grown 14-year-old by the upper arm and heaves her back up as if she weighs nothing. Jerrica's got a hell of a grip. Does Jerrica wrestle bears in her spare time? Because dang! Jerrica then asks uh, Laura if she took the brown acid and Laura gets all like defensive. She's like in a defensive, in denial drug addict after a single dose. Yeah, it was great. She was just like, were, were you taking anything? And Laura's actual line is, who said I was taking drugs? Jerrica's like, you're not a bird. You're Laura Holloway. And she calls not being a bird a bummer and being Laura Holloway double bummer. Yep, this is a drug episode, therefore things are bummers. There's a lot of teen lingo in this episode, too. Ugh, because they're trying to prove that they're hip to the kids and speaking the truth. I mean, aren't we all? Jerk is like, all right, well, give me the drugs you obviously have. Laura's like, there are no drugs, leave me alone! And then we get back to South High School, where there was still an election Friday. We see that sign a lot, so this may indicate this episode takes place within a week. Or there's just always an election Friday. Right, John suggested that election Friday is just an event that they have at school. This week we're voting on what to have for lunch next week. So Ashley and some of the Starlight Girls are playing on the high school playground, and Brian Braddock, shut up is pushing Laura on the swings while she giggles. And then he's like, I've got something that'll really get you higher. Oh, God. Because he has no chill. And she's like, are you sure the last stuff you gave me made me like hallucinate horrifying nightmare beasts and almost jump off a roof? And Bobby's like, oh, no, this definitely won't happen again. It definitely happens again. So do they just have a playground set so they can hammer in the metaphor for how when you're on drugs, you have ups and you have downs and it's like a teeter totter and you get high and there's a swings. I don't think they put that much thought into it. Seriously, though, people who trip so bad they almost jump off a roof, they generally don't go back to the same guy for seconds. Yeah. But he's a cute boy. So we get into, it's not the Gem and the Hologram song Nightmare yet, but we hear it a lot while we have a little montage of Laura messing up and needing more drugs. Yeah, and she starts to look like a haggard old lady, like her cheeks get all sunken and she's got bags under her eyes. Oh, it's totally great. She's completed her transformation into drug Laura. And then uh, there's this bit where it's like 4 a.m. and she can't sleep, so she decides she might as well practice guitar. And at last, we have a realistic portrayal of being high, which is that Laura thinks her really crappy guitar playing is the best she's ever sounded. And then she says, anyway, here's Wonderwall. She's basically just smacking the palm of her hand against the strings. Wakes up all the startling girls, yeah. And Ashley doesn't feel like listening to terrible druggy guitar at 4 a.m. She has an important history test tomorrow. Stick that in your pocket as well. And Ashley is like, either you stop playing that guitar or you'll be wearing it. And there's this really great bit where Laura just looks her dead in the eye and strums on her guitar again. And then Ashley tackles her. Girl fight! And then Jerrica barges in and breaks up the fight because she's a bouncer today, I guess. You think How often do you think Jerrica has to break up girl fights in this house? I'm hoping it's a lot. It has to be on a regular basis. It's also an old mansion. There can't be that many bathrooms for them to go around. It's probably been at least one fight about somebody's hairdryer. So Jerrica grounds both Ashley and Laura for a week, which is fascinating because the social worker is only leaving Laura with Jerrica for a couple of weeks. 
So the next morning, the Starlight Girls are eating breakfast at a table set for seven people. There are significantly more than seven people in this house. Bonnie's got her hair up in a cute ponytail, so it's hard to recognize her. I wrote that as girl who is not Bonnie, because I didn't think it was Bonnie. Bonnie asks Laura to pass the juice. Laura proceeds to spill said juice all over Bonnie and her new dress, and this sets off a massive drug addict tantrum. Also, Laura looks suddenly like she's 50 years older. She's like, no, everyone leave me alone. Stop looking at me. I'm out of drugs. I can't play music without it. I can't live without it. Derek is like, all right, Laura, look, we both know you have a drug problem. And Laura just shoves her away and runs back to the recording studio. But she can't play. I need it. I need my pills. Back at South High School, where the election is still on Friday. Yeah, Laura asks Bobby for more drugs. And then he says, sure, you just got to give me a whole honor jar's worth of money. $30! No one has that kind of money. She even says, I don't have that kind of money. So he just saunters off. Whereas these days it'd be like, $30? Great, I'll take 12 And then finally, after like half an episode of teasing, they finally just start into Gem and the Hologram's nightmare. Which I'm pretty sure is actually Laura's withdrawal trip. I mean, you're not wrong. This is genuinely what Laura's seeing right now. <laughs> we just had this song earlier in this season. It was eight episodes ago with The Fan. And this version doesn't have a looming pizzazz in the background, but it does have Salvador Dali hellscapes. So kind of a wash? Uh, call it a draw. After the song's over and Laura goes through her withdrawal trip, we get back to Starlight Mansion, where someone has left a pocketbook just lying around in a sitting room, and Laura finds it and gets some cash monies. And then Jerrica catches her, stealing the cash monies. And then she runs out of the house screaming, you don't understand. Ugh. And that's our commercial break, as Laura has run off. Now, we know that the Gabor Mansion is within, like, spitting distance of the Starlight Mansion. And we haven't seen the Misfits in this episode at all, so here's my question. Are the Misfits just watching all this? Like, what's going on with Little Miss Pink here today? That's a very special episode. Rad, past the snowcaps. They're just sitting on the balcony with binoculars, eating pork rinds and watching this. They can probably see into her bedroom, too, and be like, hey, check it out. I think she's on, like, a drug trip or something. Why is she on the roof and flapping her arms? Jerrica, whoa! So anyway, when we come back from our commercial break, Laura still, like, stumbles through the halls looking for Bobby, asking for Bobby. Has anyone seen Bobby? And look, I don't know if you guys had a similar high school experience, but in my class, everybody knew who the class drug pusher was. Yeah. Like, hey, that's Bobby. He tries to hand out these really weird hallucinogens that nobody knows what they are. Stay away from him. Ashley also calls her a major league jerk. Let's remind ourselves, Laura's a major league jerk whose parents just died. I'm saying maybe give her a bit of a pass, huh? This rate, she's going to put on a bat suit and fight crime. Glam rockers are a superstitious and cowardly lot. Anyway, Ashley wanders off and drops her books and she calls it a mega bummer because all of her history notes got scattered. Oh no, why is dropping your books the worst thing that could ever happen to you in high school? It's a mega bummer. All of her notes got scattered everywhere. She needs them for the big history test coming up. That was tomorrow a couple of days ago. Oh, tomorrow and gym first though. Yeah, well, maybe it's after the election on Friday. Maybe the election is whether to have a history test or not. And in comes Bobby Braddock. Who does the same routine on Ashley that he did on Laura. He has exactly one bit. And he's like, hey, you want to be really good at the history test? 
have a baggie full of Tylenol. While Laura's watching from the shadows and crying. And Ashley's like, uh, no thanks, Bobby. You're the weird drug pusher kid. I'm not taking anything from you. And then Jerrica rolls up to school and her outfit matches her car. Jerrica finds Laura out in front of the school where the election is still Friday. And Jerrica says, we need to talk. Let's take a drive. Is Jerrica about to murder Laura? Yes. Laura also apologizes for taking money from her, calling it the pits. And Jerrica asks Laura to go to group therapy. Uh, which she calls a group encounter session. Group encounter session sounds sinister. It does, doesn't it? I will say in this entire Goofy episode, I do like this scene. Because Jerrica is creating an, an environment in the car that's very calm and very safe. Laura sort of spills her guts about things. She asks a couple of questions, gives some affirmations. So good for her on that. Yeah, at least there's that. Yeah, and then she drops her off at the group encounter session. Where Laura's immediately like, I don't want to participate. This is dumb. I don't think I should be here. I don't have a problem. And then uh, one of the girls is like, have you run away all your friends because you stole from them just so you can get more drugs because you need it? She also calls drugs the dope. Laura's like, how did you know? Are you a mind reader? And I don't think she's joking. And then they're like, face the facts. You've got a problem. You're addicted to the drugs. And then she's like, okay, I'm addicted to the drugs. The non-specific drugs. And then the counselor is like, you've got to solve the problems that made you turn to the drugs in the first place. Like giving it a peer pressure and feeling bad about yourself. Because those are the only reasons anyone would ever do drugs, guys. Nah, the only reasons. Also, can I say that the biggest lie I was ever told as a child was that my peers would try to pressure me into doing drugs? Here's every conversation I've ever had about doing drugs. Hey, do you want some drugs? No, thank you. I don't do drugs. Okay, see you later. I have been pressured into, like, drinking more often than I have been pressured into doing drugs. The most pressure that I've ever received about doing drugs was last year when my 60-year-old hippie aunt was like, we should all have pot gummy bears. And I'm like, no, thanks. And she's like, what? Why not? Uh, I'm not interested. But we're in Colorado. I can just go home. Also, uh, feeling bad about yourself. Like that Laura's problem is just that she feels bad about herself, not that she might be clinically depressed and trying to self-medicate. Or grieving, perhaps. Laura needs to speak to professionals who are not glam rockers. And then we cut to the arcade. The Tilt Arcade, which is a perfect place to have drugs. Yeah, Ashley and uh, Laura are playing some kind of arcade cabinet game. And then who comes up but Brian Braddock? Hey, ladies. And there's this, like, fake out where they, they like, accept the drugs from him. They hand over the honor jar dollars. And then... Who shows up? But some undercover cops who pull their guns in the middle of an arcade filled with kids? They pull their guns at a freaking team dealing in Tylenol in the middle of an arcade full of children. These are the greatest 80s undercover cops ever. They're amazing. They look like they're right out of the 70s. Oh my god. The woman's got like hockey hair. The guy on the left looks like he's dressed like Han Solo. So Bobby Braddock is like, hey man, no friction. Take it easy. And they're like, that's too much lingo for one episode. They handcuff him and they march him away. You are extra under arrest for all of that. And it turns out that Ashley and Laura were part of the sting because Ashley turned over the drugs. If someone gives you drugs and then you go to a police station and say, hey, I just got these drugs. The dealer is not the one who's under arrest at that point. 
So Laura's going to kick her drug problem. She vows never to do the drugs again. And now it's time for the big concert coming up, where let's let Laura sing her awkward song. Yeah, and as punishment for doing all those drugs, they've dressed her up in the worst outfit. That is the shame hair bow. It's a song that Laura wrote especially for the concert. It's a gem of the hologram song that we never hear again called Look Inside Yourself. And judging by the imagery in this video, are we sure Laura's not on drugs anymore? No, not really. At some point, Laura is surrounded by green energy and floats above the planet. And I just keep thinking to myself like, Laura Holloway of Earth, you have great willpower. Then Laura becomes the upteenth Green Lantern of Section 2814 and then was summarily benched so he could give more stories to Hal Jordan. And then Hal Jordan killed all of the other Green Lanterns and became a supervillain. Also, the crowd scene punks that came to Jem's concert freaking love this feel-good pop rock. I mean, they love everything. I'm imagining they did not buy tickets to watch a 14-year-old play guitar, but they're rolling with it. And that's the end of the episode. Laura becomes a Green Lantern, gets killed by Hal Jordan, and she never does drugs again. A lot of these very special drug episodes are very frustrating for me because what it boils down to is they are both so incredibly hyperbolic that it's impossible to take seriously and so unspecific that there's no actually useful information in them. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue, which... BT Dubs, guys, is on YouTube. You should go watch it. In that I came out of Cartoon All-Stars as a rescue as a child, having no idea what the heck drugs actually did, aside from they are bad for you and your friends will peer pressure you into doing them. Just listen to Baby Kermit and Little Miss Piggy and also Alvin and the Chipmunks and don't do the dope. You know where the reason I don't do meth? is because some guy came to my high school who used to be on meth, and he showed me a slideshow of a guy who had cuts all over his body, saying he was trying to get the bugs out, and that's why I don't do meth. I guess here's our PSA. Don't do the hard stuff. Know what drugs you're taking. Don't take random cartoon pills from people. If you're do if you're gonna do something like weed, make sure it's from like a source that you trust and it's not laced with anything terrifying. And you know, if you're worried, keep some reliable friends around who can keep an eye on you. Yeah, make sure if you're going to do anything that's like hallucinogenic, make sure you have a babysitter to make sure that you don't try to jump off a roof. Be responsible and know what is and is not going to be a good idea for you. Heroin and meth are universally terrible ideas. For everything else, you know, just just look out for yourself. Be healthy. Be safe. Don't take Tylenol from a... From a 40-year-old man who's still in high school. And hangs on out on the teeter-totters. Yeah, if there's a 40-year-old man hanging around your high school getting you to take pills that he's not telling you what they are, avoid that person. Don't give up your hard-earned honor jar money for something that's going to make you jump off a roof. I think that about does it for us here. We've had a lot of fun today. We've learned a lot about each other and maybe just a little about ourselves. That ends our streak of very special episodes, at least. I think we have maybe one or two more intermittent very special episodes hanging around, but uh, but none that are half as preachy. Well, I mean, the next episode is K-Gem, and their message is, radio's actually pretty cool, which, um, being a podcast, which is essentially radio on demand, I don't know that we can rightfully disagree with it. Also, it introduces a new villain, the McDuff Air Company, which is never around again. And Mr. Lassiter of KBST, who's also never around again. It's actually John's favorite episode of Gem, so, uh, he'll be joining us for that. Guys, 13 episodes between us and Riot. Oh my. Oh my. I'm going to start a countdown. Riot. Riot. 
Whether that's good for you or bad for you, we are T-13 to Riot. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. We are on Twitter and Tumblr as well. You can find us just about everywhere at the Gem Jam, except on Twitter, where we are at Gem Jam Cast. Uh, if you like what we do and you want to support us, spreading the word is always great. A like, subscribe, or a review on wherever you find our podcast really helps our metrics, helps us get discovered a little more. We've also picked up a couple of new listeners lately. We've been talking to them on Twitter. So whatever y'all are doing, it's working and it's uh, great to meet y'all. If you have a couple of bucks kicking around, you can give them to our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash the gem jam for a couple months a month. We've got some cool stuff in there. I'm particularly pleased with the things that Ken and I have both been doing lately. We've got some fun stuff and uh, we're coming up on a milestone to let's play some awful date sims. So that should be hecka fun. Otome hell. Let us just live in Otome hell. Is that stretch goal called Otome hell? Because it should be. It is now. Awesome. If you want to hear us talk about other stuff, you can hear us talk about Jupiter Ascending, which is our latest episode over on our other podcast, I Will Fight You. Just remember, if you don't know what Jupiter Ascending is, it's the one where a lady is reborn in the body of a new woman and she falls in love with a dog man and also learns that bees don't sting royalty. Uh, A dog man angel werewolf from space. Until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this has been the Gem Jam, where we remind you, that a spoonful of outrageousness makes the medicine go down.